So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Apparently in the UK, we really trust the Geordie accent. That's so when right. we call call centres... What's the Geordie accent? Why, Eamon? It's all like... Yeah, no, it's not that. Um, <laughs> no. What's the Geordie accent? <laughs> the Geordie accent is an accent from Newcastle, primarily, and mm. it's environs, and it has just a... I mean, you could, well, let's it, hear it, it Carol. Let's, let's hear no, no, it. Let's no, hear I, your Geordie I've done my Geordie <laughs> accent. I think we should hear yours. Okay. Anyway, crack a gun. <laughs> Smashing Security, Episode 271, Crypto Breaking, Google Blurring, and Mike's Not Muting, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 271. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And we're joined today by someone who's got his cheeks stuffed full of chocolate. Um, <laughs> cheeks in his mouth, Carol, don't be filthy. Dave Pitner. <laughs> Hello. Yes, just call me Mr. Chocolate Cheeks. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying uh, chocolate bunnies and hard-boiled colored eggs and all of those delicious things. Thank you. Good to be here. First, let's thank this week's sponsors, Collide and NetFoundry. It's their support that help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? Well, I'm going to be going ape over iCloud backups. Okay. What about you, Dave? Uh, I have the story of Twitter being all abuzz over claims that Google had removed blurring from Russian strategic locations. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> mm. um, and I'm talking all about the mute button. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, where do you keep your valuables? Is there somewhere where you, you store them to keep them out of harm's way? What do you mean, like... Physical valuables? Yeah. Well... The most valuable thing I have is my house, and it's pretty much out there. Oh, okay, so, mm. it's, so it's out there for the public to see. You haven't hidden that. A anything no. else that's valuable to you? I have a safe deposit box. Do you? Sure. Where do you keep it? Uh, the, well, the bank keeps it. <laughs> so, so uh, is this? A, I don't know if this is. Do you guys have this? Is a thing where you are? Do banks have safe deposit boxes? I've only seen them in the movies. Okay, so here in the U.S., most banks have a room full of safe deposit boxes, and it is the big safe in the bank. And you rent this little drawer that has two keys on it. You get to keep a key and the bank has a key and you come and you talk to the bank person and they let you in the room and you pull out your little drawer and you go in a private room and that's where you keep, you can keep valuables, you could keep money, you could keep jewels, you could keep important mm -hmm. papers. Oh yeah, like wills and stuff, I guess. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. So if there's a fire at the house, your valuables are at the bank and presumably the bank vault is is fairly safe. So I have one of those. And you feel comfortable with the bank having a copy of the key, do you? Well, the bank only has one of the two keys necessary. So mm. it's a, there are two keys to open it. They can't open it without me. Although, I mean, you know what? They, they could, I suppose they could hire a locksmith, but. Right. <laughs> but. <laughs> well, fascinating. 
certainly in my circles, that doesn't happen very much. Maybe if I was super rich, it'd be different. But mm. obviously, podcasts get paid better in, in America than here. But anyway, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, just rolling around with those wheelbarrows full of podcasting <laughs> cash. <laughs> I want to introduce to you Dominic Iacovone. He appears to have a bit of cash. He's into NFTs, which, of course, we're big fans of on, on this show. We love talking about <laughs> NFTs. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, I checked him out on Twitter, and I'll put in a link in the show notes as well. You'll see that he's tweeting all the time. Nothing else other than NFTs. He's scooped up mutant apes, alien boys, gutter cats, fancy the- bears. <laughs> the list goes on. It's all that kind of funky, weird NFT stuff. So he must have lots of cash if he's buying these, right? He's that guy. Well, or, or a lot of cryptocurrency, that's right. Mm-hmm. But on April the 15th, just a few days ago, he received a phone call on his mobile. In case we didn't know what a mobile sounded like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it said, it, it, he had a look at it, and it said Apple, Apple Inc. are calling on his caller ID. Now, he was a bit suspicious because he'd been receiving a number of messages asking him to reset his Apple ID password, and he thought it might be a scam. Okay. But because it said Apple Inc. on the phone, he thought, well, maybe I'll give them a call back. So he gave them a call back. And the person he spoke to, he said he was reassured because they had an American accent. Um, mm. I guess I guess he was under the misapprehension that a uh, a scammer would have some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of different sort of evil, <laughs> evil accent of some description. But and, um, The Count, like from uh, yeah, Princess uh, Street. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 right. But, of course, a good old trustworthy American accent like Casey Kasem or Dave Bittner on the Cyberwire, <laughs> that sort of thing, you just inherently trust. Mm-hmm. Apparently in the UK, we really trust, or this was maybe 10 years ago, mm. but we really trust the Geordie accent. That's so when right. we call call centers, yeah. Yeah. What's the Geordie accent? Why, Eamon? It's all like... Yeah, no, it's not that. Um, <laughs> no. What's the Geordie accent? <laughs> the Geordie accent is an accent from Newcastle, primarily, and mm. it's environs, and it has just a... I mean, you could well, let's hear it, Carol. Let's, let's hear no, no, it. Let's hear I, your Geordie I've done my Geordie <laughs> accent. I think we should hear yours. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, cracking on. Oh, I see. Interesting. I was thinking a Geordie from Star Trek, but... Uh, oh, no, not Geordie LaForge. No. 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 <laughs> Maria is nodding uh, enthusiastically as she listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so anyway, he, he rang up this number. He rang up who he thought was Apple. And they said, well, hey, they said, listen, your Apple ID account has been compromised. Uh, But don't worry, you have a chance to get it back. And uh, what we will do is we will send your phone a one-time code, so like a six-digit number, Mm. which you can tell us back over the phone, and that will confirm your identity, and we'll grant you access to your Apple iCloud account. And he's thinking, well, isn't this wonderful that they're doing this? And so he receives the code, and of course he tells the person on the line, instantly the line goes dead, and within seconds, according to Dominic, $650,000 worth of cryptocurrency and NFTs had been stolen from him. Kaboom! Isn't that the current value of the Graham and Carroll NFT? Uh, no, I think it currently stands at about $1 trillion, the grand. Oh. That's, that, at least that's All what right. they're asking for. That's what the person <laughs> thought is. Well, I underestimated, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, this is chump change then. So Dominic was storing all of his cryptocurrency and assets and goodies, including a mutant ape yacht club NFT worth approximately $80,000. He was using a wallet called MetaMask. Okay, never heard of it. You don't revolve, Kroll, in the circles of cryptocurrency and no, all the I don't. crypto bros out there. Apparently, it's trusted by 21 million monthly users hmm. around the world. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I've read some reviews of it. <laughs> According to the reviews, it is a highly regarded and extremely secure digital wallet praised for its encryption technology and has suffered no digital hacks so far. I'm wondering if our guy here is praising it as we speak. Well, his latest tweet suggests he's not that keen. Right. (laughs) Now, like other cryptocurrency wallets, MetaMask has a secret recovery phrase facility. 
this is like 12 words which you're encouraged to write down and keep in a safe place. You know, you sort of hide it under your great aunt or you put it inside a dictionary or you, you, know, you, you sort of put it somewhere. So if, if you forget everything else, if you lose your private keys and everything else, you can still regain access with these 12 magic words, which you must never, ever tell anybody else. Right. But if you have that, you can recover your funds. Even MetaMask themselves, they can't give you access to the account. The only thing you can do is use these 12 words, which you've chosen your recovery phrase. Um, Would it be smart to tattoo these phrases on your body, for example? No, that's a bloody awful idea, Carol. (laughs) 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 Think about it. Depends on where. Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Maybe if you put it somewhere that you don't tend to show anyone, right? Mm. Like, you don't tend Mm -hmm. to... Where on your body do you not show anyone? Oh, it would make the uh, social engineering a lot more interesting. Dave, where on your body do you think no one would ever see? Where does the sun not shine? Uh, I think we all know the answer to that question, Graham. Because <laughs> it's covered in chocolate, remember? I think, I think that's right. I think it is self-evident. Uh, where What we say, what we say, where the sun does not shine, we are, there's one body part. It is your most private part. I uh, <laughs> so, Let's stop you there. Let's stop you there. The thing yeah. is that... I mean, when you're dead, for instance, right, there's going to be someone glamming you up, Carol, or you, Dave, you know, foofing mm. your hair and putting a little bit of mascara on or whatever it is that, you know, to make you look a little bit better in the open casket. And they've basically mm. got access to everywhere on you. So don't tattoo it on your body. Also, okay. some thief might knock you off in order to check out your... I wouldn't. I wasn't suggesting advertising that, you know, fact oh, anybody. Right. Well, other than going on a podcast and saying... <laughs> Thousands and thousands of listeners. Well, and also you could have the 12-word phrase tattooed, but you shouldn't have also tattooed, this is my MetaMask 12-word recovery (laughs) phrase. Right. (laughs) Right. It could just be in Latin or Sanskrit or whatever the funky thing is to have your tats in these days. Pig Latin would probably do it. Pig Latin, Rot 13. Yeah. What if you Mm -hmm. had 12 words of people you dated in your life and that was your, that would be the worst Mm. password on the planet, actually. Well, that would have to mean that you would have actually dated 12 people. (laughs) Sad. So MetaMask, they've got this secret recovery phrase, but they, they reassuringly say in their FAQ that they store the secret recovery phrase, passwords and all their private keys in an encrypted format locally on your device where it's installed. So on your iPhone or on your Android phone. So it's stored there, encrypted. It's out of the hands of hackers. They can't get at it. Or so you would like to think. Well, the unfortunate business here is that your MetaMask vault, this encrypted vault, including your secret recovery phrase, is by default backed up by Apple to the Apple iCloud, meaning... If someone manages to gain access to your iCloud, as these bad guys obviously did by getting this guy to send them their, uh, the verification code, they can also force their way into your MetaMask vault. Maybe you've reused a password or chosen an obvious one or they brute force it. And then they have access to everything in your crypto wallet. Uh, mm. Wow. So MetaMask users are probably not aware, and this may be true of other software wallets as well, not aware that these private pieces of information may be being backed up automatically by Apple. Yeah, we're helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the paperclip from, uh, from Windows. Well, we're here to help. <laughs> <laughs> you remember the days, though, when we were just worried about um, it was all celeb photographs, so people were getting their private pictures slurped up from the cloud. And right. now, of course, Apple's like storing everything, right? Well, there's a lot, which is why you need, obviously, to secure your Apple iCloud account, an equivalent cloud-based account. You need two-factor authentication. Right. You need to make sure that you're not handing over access keys um, because someone else may be saying, oh, can you send me a recovery number? And they're socially engineering it out of you. So the lessons from this, always use a cold hardware-based wallet. That way it's not going to get backed up to anything. Don't lose it. Don't lose it, of course. Don't give verification codes to anyone. By the way, this happened to me the other day. Hmm. I was on um, Instagram and I got a message from my niece, but she wasn't talking like my niece normally talks. She was like, oh, 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 I've lost my shit. 
Uh, she's such a lovely, lovely young girl. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is slightly out of character. <laughs> and she was saying, send me your phone number and I'll get a verification code sent to you. Uh, you just give it back to me and I'll be able to get my shit together again. <laughs> and I, I thought, you know, <laughs> I thought this probably isn't her. Um, but she'd been fooled by one of her friends who, because she's a lovely person, she'd said, yes, I can help you. And if when I get the code, I'll send it to you. And so it happens on a lot of accounts, this kind of thing. So watch out for this verification code trick, which people are doing. And also remember that caller ID is really easy mm. to spoof as well. And Apple, just like every other big tech company, they're not going to call you out of the blue. Right. Yeah, yeah, because I was thinking when you're telling the story, the first thing is that, you know, don't call the number that they dialed. Call their main hotline number and go, yo, just got a call. Yeah. And also, you may want to look inside your settings on your phone and look to see what is being backed up to iCloud. MetaMask themselves now, because there's been a bit of a furore over this, they've tweeted saying, uh, we would advise our clients, if you don't want to back up to the iCloud, turn that off. Too late for Dominic, who's lost $650,000. And is now offering a $100,000 reward to try and get his crypto back. No one's found a way to get his cryptocurrency back. But I saw that he'd received a message from someone calling themselves Lauren G81948454. It seems like a plausible mm-hmm. username. And they said, oh, I was also hacked of $100,000 last month. But I got my funds back when I contacted a hacker on Instagram called Cyberjack002. Go and reach out to him. <laughs> And so whenever you talk on Twitter about being hacked for cryptocurrency or losing your Instagram account, all these bots will pop up advising you to go and contact someone on Instagram, who, of course, is after your Instagram account as well. And so you're going to be scammed over and over again. Yeah, you make it sound so cool to be all involved with all this stuff. Sounds so fun. (laughs) Just <laughs> traps everywhere. Yeah, Crow, I don't know long, how, how long you've been working in cybersecurity, but Too this is long. what it's like. Too long. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you two. You've just got to remember these codes. Never share them with anyone. Yeah. My general advice is if it's something important, it needs to have multi-factor. Anything valuable. Not tattoos. Not tattoos. <laughs> Maybe maybe there's a, a side hustle here for you, Carol. You could open a, a special a, a special tattoo parlor that that is just for passwords and those sorts of things yeah. mm-hmm. on your tattoos. Mm-hmm. As people come out of the parlor, they'd be coshed over the head, <laughs> chucked into the back of a van, right? And their wallets yeah. will be yeah, great. Call it crypto ink. Carol's crypto ink. Oh, that's very clever. Yeah. Dave, what have you got for us this week? Well, I wanted to talk today about Google Maps and specifically uh, Google Maps has their satellite view, which I think we're all familiar with. Mm. You can go on Google Maps mm-hmm. and you can get a nice bird's eye view of, although I think uh, Bing calls theirs bird's eye view, but you can get a satellite view of uh, anywhere in the world pretty much. And over the years, this has gotten to be higher and higher resolution. My understanding uh, these days is that they are at half a meter resolution these days, which means wow. that a single pixel in an image is half a meter hmm. in size. So quite quite sharp over the past, I don't know, 20 years or so that they've been doing this. Um, hmm. But there are, of course, privacy issues with this, and Google recognizes that. And so you can request to have a location be blurred. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh, Dick Cheney famously had the U.S. Naval Observatory blurred while he was vice president. The vice president of the United States lives at the Naval Observatory. Ah. And so that was his location. So he had it blurred. Uh, was he worried he'd get pictured sunbathing or something like that, do you think? Well, you know, that's another sort of funny side issue is how many people think that uh, these satellite <laughs> views are real. T- <laughs> like, I <laughs> I've actually convinced people to go outside and wave. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're, they're not. So, <laughs> but, 
And, and, you know, there are websites full of uh, funny images that have been captured with the satellites and, and particularly with street view. There are people who fight, you know, they see the street view camera driving around. And so they take it upon themselves to punk the street view and things like that. But yeah, I've got two friends that have done it. They're still online at the moment. Those pictures with them in there, their faces are blurred, but they're there. Right. The right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they automatically blur faces. But if you, for example, want your, Home blurred, like Carol, if you wanted your palatial estate there in Oxford blurred, you could contact right. Google and request that they would do it, and they yeah. would do it. Uh, and there, uh, I have a link here uh, in the show notes for a bunch of places that they have blurred, and hmm. things like military bases all make sense, right? Uh, some private places people have requested to be blurred. Um, there's a for some reason, I guess because of facial recognition, uh, the uh, picture of uh, Colonel Sanders that's on the sign of all the Kentucky Fried Chickens automatically <laughs> gets blurred. I don't. I wonder about Popeye burgers as well. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I wonder how many people actually request these things. Do you have any idea? Like, is it really rare that these requests happen? I requested it once for Street View, but they they didn't do it for some reason. I why were you why. out in the front lawn when the van went by? No, I just, I just thought, I just thought, <laughs> how dare they take nude a photo? Ba- nude sunbathing. I just thought, how yeah, dare they exactly. take a photograph of my house? I just thought, but nothing ever happened. So didn't he was afraid someone attention. would see his tattoos. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> his crypto ink. <laughs> um, so Twitter was all a buzz this past weekend that evidently Google had removed blurring from many Russian strategic locations. And, and of course, we are in the midst of the uh, invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And so there's lots of uh, sort of armchair quarterbacking over hmm. what's going on with this war. And one of the open source tools that lots of people are using is Google Maps. Mm-hmm. To determine you know, who's where and who's doing what and what's the status of various militaries and so on and so forth. So there was a lot of buzz over this over the weekend and people were having fun looking at airports and military bases. Yeah. Um, I've included a link here. Evidently, someone found uh, the Russian version of the space shuttle or the, the Soviets had their own space shuttle. Uh, it looked exactly oh, yeah. like the U.S. space shuttle. It's as if you took the plans for the U.S. space shuttle, put it into a CAD program and said, make it one and a half times bigger. That's <laughs> wow. what the Soviet space shuttle looks like. It's cool. Like. I'm looking at it now. It's very cool. And it, there it is, parked yeah. next to a runway. <laughs> they have a couple of them. Yeah. And that's one of them. Someone found, uh, I guess the Soviets had their own version of the Concorde, the supersonic jet. They found one of those. But people were looking at uh, a lot of Russian planes that were on runways that had like their wings removed. People were speculating, are these actual planes? Are they made out of styrofoam? Are they inflatable? Is this, a, <laughs> but, you know, how, how bad? Because we've seen the Russian military has not lived up to their legendary status throughout mm. this campaign. And so people are wondering what's the state of their air force? Well, just today, as we record this morning, Google came out and said, uh no we we didn't we didn't remove any blurring none of this was ever blurred this has all oh. been out there the whole time oh <laughs> what yeah so so people just assumed that it had been blurred I, I think so and I've seen several people on Twitter say no I I do this stuff you know either for my work or as a hobby and it's always been there it's none of this stuff is blurred what why did you all think this was blurred so someone somewhere said. They've unblurred it, and everyone else just took that as fact. Right. Wow. It's right. as though the internet were unreliable in some fashion. Yeah, <laughs> or like that things on Twitter aren't always true. But that's the part of this story that I think is 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 interesting, is how this misinformation took hold, right? That Google had de-blurred all of this imagery. Suddenly, we had all this information available that we had not previously had. And people were out <laughs> speculating, oh, what is this going to This is going to change the course of history? How will this affect the war? Are we, there's so many, you know, r- secrets revealed. And then Google says, no, this is, what are you talking about? We haven't changed a thing. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? How long did it take Google to respond? Within 48 hours, I would say. I, uh-huh. I think what happened was some of the news organizations took notice, uh-huh. started publishing stories. Um, I have a link to a story from The Verge. Mm. And at the top of the story now, there's a correction where they say, oh, well, yeah. uh, we heard <laughs> we heard from Google. 
Yeah. And uh, a <laughs> funny, funny thing. Uh, yeah. It turns out that having two tweeters is not too independent, validated so c- information. C- has anyone, or maybe it's too early for this, but I hope someone's going to sort of try and track it back and work out who was the first person to make this mm. claim. Wouldn't that be fascinating? Wouldn't yeah, it? someone should do that. It's going to be awful. It's going to be someone's dad told him. So then he, you know, he puts he puts it out saying, "My dad said," and then it will have grown from there. It'll be something so innocuous, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we're all going to hate this person. Yeah, but I, I think it's an interesting cautionary tale that yes. uh, these things can take hold, and this did. There were, I mean, lots and lots of accounts, people who should know better, who latched onto this uh, illegitimate news organizations who took this as fact and reported on it and there was nothing to it at all but this is this is i think the problem with fast food news right you you Mm. you want to be first out there you want to do your proper due diligence and you have no time because you're trying to get out first right and you get it wrong because you're tripping over yourself to be the one who press publish first right we have these perverse incentives absolutely yep well these news organizations which pump out you know every day with some new update on what's going on in the world of cybersecurity. I mean, they, they're never going to be as reliable as those of us who wait a week uh, before coming onto a story, are they, Dave? No, no, they, they, will, they will not. Absolutely not. In fact, I, I don't even know why anybody would bother tuning into a daily cybersecurity <laughs> publication. That, that is a, the definition of a fool's errand. <laughs> Carol, what have you got for us? We're talking about the mute button because the mute button gets us out of all sorts of trouble. And we're probably more aware of that now than we ever have been, thanks to all of us having to do work from home for the last few years. I think each of us has found ourselves in a moment where the mute button saved us from, you know, I don't know, shame or embarrassment or ridicule. Mm. By mute, you mean like if you're on a conference call or something like that, or if you're on a Zoom call? Say you're on a video app, right, on your computer, and you're maybe mm-hmm. you're in a meeting, mm-hmm. and say someone DMs you a joke during that meeting, and you slam right. it on mute because you're going to laugh hysterically, especially if I'd sent it, <laughs> right? Or, or you see your kids start fighting, yelling names in the background like poo-poo head and fart brains. Yeah. You want you press the mute button because you your boss wouldn't like. So, so, and maybe, maybe you don't even have any video. So this means you have a bit more freedom. So you're doing the laundry, the dishes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I bet you people yes. probably do loo breaks during meetings. I bet you that's Oh, yeah. It. There's been video. <laughs> I think, I think they, they probably do worse than um, that. <laughs> so you get me, right? And if you have to use these video conferencing apps, you know that the mute button is one of the great, great features of it, right? Hmm. Yeah. So we got these four graduates based at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Loyola University, Chicago, and they were wondering what happens to the microphone data when a user clicks on the mute button in a video conferencing app or a VCA. Because, you know, we all have assumptions, right? And they thought, well, let, let's first ask people and see what they think the mute button does. And not very surprising, 77.5% said they, you know, it would be unacceptable for apps to continue to be able to access the microphone <laughs> and possibly gather data if the mute mode was active, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes sense. So they thought, okay, so people assume this works this way. But let's check what actually happens. Um, So they looked at all the big boys. We have Zoom, Slack, MS Teams, Google Meet, Cisco WebEx, GoToMeeting, and then a Discord. And then there's two I don't know, Jitsi Meet, Whereby, and and third, Blue Jeans. So those three I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if you guys are aware of Oh, yeah, I've heard mm-hmm. of a couple of those. I've heard of Jitsi and Blue Jeans. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to kind of go in there and see how they all worked. And the, a lot of us assume that they kind of work more or less similarly because they're all kind of providing more or less the same functionality. And you might also mm. assume that Zoom is Zoom is Zoom, no matter what your, your OS is or whether you're using a browser or a native app. But you'd be wrong on both counts because native apps can collect data from the microphone with few restrictions. So web apps are implemented in JavaScript and they have to request access to the microphone through the web browser, 
which generally has right. much more restrictive policies, you know, for data collection and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they looked at it across four operating systems, so Linux, Windows, Chromium, and Mac OS, and each one of them processes and munges audio data in a slightly different way. So the researchers used runtime binary analysis tools to trace raw audio from the aforementioned popular video conferencing apps as the audio traveled from the app to the computer audio driver, and then to the network while the app was muted. Hmm. Okay, and they did that for all the various OSs along the, of the board. I think they had four that they were looking at. And their findings are rather interesting. You're going to tell us that no audio data whatsoever was transferred from the computers, and it all <laughs> stayed local oh, and safe. That's all in the up and up. And that is the big shock that's that's the big surprise. Is that yes, right? Yes, that's exactly right. Don't no, just flip that on its head. Um, so <laughs> it turns out that all of the apps tested occasionally yes. gather raw audio data while mute is activated, with one Why? of the popular apps gathering information and delivering data to its server at the same rate, regardless if the microphone was muted or not. So it's not sharing your audio with the other participants on the call. No. But it is sharing it with the company. Well, with the VCAs. Right. And so Zoom, one of the most popular video conferencing apps worldwide, we all know Zoom, was found to actively track if the user is talking even when they were in mute mode. Right. Because sometimes you'll see it'll pop up. It'll say, hey, you're muted if you try to talk. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. That's so a it's useful a, feature. That's a useful feature. It's kind of a usability thing. Oh, I, I see. I suspect yeah. most of these things are for usability, really. So they say, we discovered that all the apps in our study could actively query, i.e. retrieve hmm. raw data from the microphone when the user is muted, says the paper. And they continue, interestingly, in both Windows and Mac OS, we found that Cisco WebEx queries the microphone regardless of the status of the mute button. So in other words, according to the study, Cisco WebEx was the worst as it continued to receive raw audio data from the user's microphone and transmitting it to the vendor's servers in precisely the same way it did when unmuted. Mm. An assistant professor of electrical and computer engineering at the University of Wisconsin-Madison told the Register in an email that we informed Cisco about our findings back in January and they promised to investigate. So Register reached out to Cisco, and they told the Register that it altered WebEx after the researchers got in touch, so it no longer transmits microphone telemetry data. So a very good example of responsible disclosure and of quick fix. And Cisco went on to say, WebEx uses microphone telemetry data to tell a user they are muted, to your point, Dave, referred to as the mute notification feature. They say this is not a vulnerability in WebEx. Right. And I think what the researchers are trying to highlight is the way in which a VCA operates a mute button is different from what a user's understanding of what a mute button is, if you get my drift. Okay. And then finally, the other last thing they decided to do is they, using uh, machine learning algorithms... They trained an activity classifier using audio from YouTube videos, and they were looking for common background noises. So they used activities like cooking, eating, playing music, typing, cleaning. And then they applied a classifier uh, to the type of telemetry packets the app was sending, and they could identify the background activity with an average of 82% accuracy. Hmm. So these types of activities can be distinguished just based on these acoustic fingerprints that were actually being sent. As a general rule, you just can't trust software, can you? That's, you know, it's, well, it's like, if, but if you're worried about something like this, then maybe you need a hardware button or a switch or something on your microphone. Well, not everybody has an external to, microphone. No, but you might have a headset or something. You know, there might be, I don't know, or a kill button right right that's one of the suggestions is double muting right so you can mute in zoom for example or whenever vca you're using but you could also mute your 
at your operating system level. Now, this is a bit of a pain, right? Because you have to go into settings, you have to find your microphone, you've got to turn off the input, and then you have to remember to turn it back on next time you do something and not panic that it's broken. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the team suggests the solution might be in developing easily accessible software switches or even hardware switches, which makes total sense, right? I would like that. I want a little big button that says, you are now being recorded... <laughs> And off on, right? I, I have That's what one. I want. Yeah, I have a button right here. It's it's my cough button. Yeah, uh, and it's just a big button that says mic mute, and you press the button, and the mic mutes. But you know, there's a saying in broadcasting: mm. um, every mic is an open mic, which is a cautionary mm-hmm. tale that yeah. if you're in a room with a microphone, assume that that microphone is open and someone's listening and or recording. Now, mm. this is this phrase came into popularity in the days before all of us carrying microphones in our pockets all the time and our webcams and it's hard to go into a room these days that doesn't have a microphone capable of recording so didn't ronald reagan once get himself in a spot of bother by he was he was doing a test Mm -hmm. in a radio studio Mm -hmm. or something and he's hey hey nancy let's let's bomb russia he did something as a joke he did that's pretty (laughs) Boy, dead on there. I, it's, as if, it's as if I'm in the room with uh, with the old Gipper himself. Wow. <laughs> but you know, Graham, if this podcasting thing doesn't work out for you, there's definitely a future for you a- as a mimic. Yeah, yeah. The kids for kids' school, you'd be mm-hmm. great. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a high kids. demand for for Ronald Reagan these days in the grade school level. <laughs> Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux, Mac, and Windows devices right inside Slack. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. So instead of frustrating your employees, Collide educates them about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems. Sign up today by visiting smashingsecurity.com slash collide. That's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E. Enter your email when prompted and you will receive a free Collide goodie bag after your trial activates. You can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days, no credit card required. Try it out at smashingsecurity.com slash collide. That's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E. And thanks to Collide for supporting the show. The network is dead. Long live the network. This is the tagline from our sponsor this week, NetFoundry. Protecting applications is getting more complicated. We all care about security. But man, it's hard. You see, all networks, according to NetFoundry, are insecure. Period. And the zero-trust security model is the way to go. It was created with the idea of never trust, always verify. But historically, this has been seriously hard to implement. NetFoundry have created OpenZD to provide an open source, free and easy way for you to embed zero trust networking into anything. Embed SDKs inside your app, tunnelers to run on all major operating systems, or deploy an edge router for any cloud. And the best bit? No networking engineering skills required. This is something you guys definitely want to check out. Visit smashingsecurity.com forward slash netfoundry. That's N-E-T-F-O-U-N-D-R-Y. And thanks to NetFoundry for sponsoring the show. And welcome back. Can you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related, but I'm actually going to start it with a joke. Um, Dave, just to be sure, are you familiar with Lady Penelope and Parker? No. 
from the TV show Thunderbirds, very popular show in the 1960s. Oh, I'm I sure I'm familiar with Thunderbirds. Yes, I, and I'm I'm with you now. Thunderbirds yep, I'm with, with you the now. Puppets. Yes, yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. So here here's a joke. Crow, you may not like this. Okay. So Lady Penelope is a sort of aristocratic um, English woman, and Parker is her sort of Cockney East End uh, driver. And so she, she goes. She goes. Parker, take off my jacket. Yes, milady. Parker, take off my dress. Yes, milady. Parker, take off my shoes and stockings. Yes, milady. And Parker, yes, milady, don't ever let me catch you wearing my clothes again. (laughs) (laughs) How we love that is the Thunderbirds joke. (laughs) Um, now, I'm a big fan of the TV show Thunderbirds and other series which came from the mind of Jerry Anderson with his super marionation, things like Stingray, Captain Scarlet, UFO, Space 1999. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I don't and, know any of these except for you. Yeah. Oh, roll. This know, is really lived. good stuff. You haven't lived. Mm-hmm. Well, there is a documentary that's just come out made by Jerry Anderson's son, Jamie Anderson about his dad. It's called Jerry Anderson, A Life Uncharted. I saw it on BritBox, but it may also be available in other places. Now, Jerry Anderson uh, sadly died about 10 years ago, I think. And um, he left uh, some audio recordings where he was telling the story of his life. And to be honest, he did not have the best of lives. Um, He was married a few times, including a marriage to one woman, which was spectacularly... um, how can you put it? A bit of a Bad. roller coaster. Yeah, it, 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 yes. And this is this is actually the woman who did the voice of Lady mm. Penelope. And oh. they absolutely hated each other by the end of it. And uh, it made him kind of destitute afterwards as well. So it tells the story of that. It's not really the story of his TV shows, but it's the story of his life. And it's fascinating because it gives you some indication of where, what the impetus for some of the things which happen in stories came from and it came from a very sad childhood and it's it's quite interesting what's unusual is they took audio recordings of jerry anderson this mm-hmm. complete star of british children's tv and they've used deep fake technology to turn it into video of him sat on a sofa telling the story of his life and this is intercut Whoa, into here we go <laughs> yeah. wow and I watched this documentary, and it keeps on cutting to Jerry Anson talking about his life. And you imagine at first it's sort of archive footage. And there's actually also a supplemental sort of behind-the-scenes thing where they describe how they did it and show you the iterations, how they did it. It's completely convincing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does make the documentary easier to digest and, and to, you know, to, to enjoy because it's not just audio. You can see him sat there as well talking through his life and explaining it. You even see him at some points walking around various locations like Pinewood Studios. And it's I not know, him. But, it's, oh, it's that's been- like this is fairly uncontroversial, right? That this that they portray someone on the couch reading mm. out the words that they've written. But yeah. what if they had him doing mm-hmm. anything else? Right? <laughs> yeah. Flying a plane or, you know, water skiing while he tells you about this stuff. <laughs> No, but they, well, you know, they could with the magic of technology. I think it, it must have been a particularly unusual experience for Jamie Anderson, who is his son, um, who was, you know, who appears in the documentary and was a, a guiding force behind it. You know, his dad has only been dead about hmm. 10 years um, to have all this happen as well. Anyway, I found it quite a good documentary. It's not going to give you much of a flavour of Thunderbirds and Stingray and Captain Scarlet, but it will tell you about Jerry Anderson himself, who is a bit of a a hero of mine. And that is why Jerry Anson, A Life Uncharted is my pick of the week. Interesting. Dave, what's your pick of the week? Well, my pick of the week was inspired by uh, something you talked about a couple of weeks ago here on Smashing Security. And oh. I'll admit, uh, I don't remember specific. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember specifically what it was. And I actually <laughs> went back... I, I went back and tried to look it up, and I was unsuccessful. Uh, but what I remembered from this episode was you were talking about some show, I believe, and you said you should only watch the first season of it, that the first season was oh, great. Oh, that was Graham, and it was Afterlife. Afterlife, yes. That's, I think okay. I sent about Afterlife, yeah. 
All right. Well, I, when I heard you say that, it made me think of this show that is my pick of the week this week. Mm-hmm. And it is a show called Bloodline. It is a uh, thriller drama TV series on Netflix. Um, and it is uh, about a family who is in the Florida Keys here in the U.S. And the family owns a resort. Uh, and it's about the siblings in this family. Uh, one of them is the black sheep of the family. Um, their relationship with their parents who run the resort. Uh, they all, each of the, the kids have their own uh, personalities. Uh, mm. There's a murder. Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So it, it is, uh, it, it, one of the things I really like about this show is that the location is one of the characters of the show in a way that yeah. the that the fact that it's in the Florida Keys really plays into the way that this series feels the way that it's shot mm-hmm. uh you really feel like you're there uh but it's a super compelling first season uh Kyle Chandler is the star of this he's the guy from Friday Night Lights uh who uh, according to my wife is just quite dreamy um Ben Mendelsohn is in it he was in um uh, the Star Wars movie Rogue One. He's the bad guy in that. Uh, he was mm-hmm. also in Ready Player One. Uh, so a good cast, very, very good season. But I tell you, when the first season comes to an end <laughs> and there is a cliffhanger, there's a, there's a tease. They're going to try to get you to watch the second and third seasons. Do not take the bait because <laughs> just be satisfied that you watched a season of excellent television. Let it go, drop it, and just leave it there and think, gosh, I wonder what would have happened if they'd made a second and third season of this show. No, don't. Yeah, don't wonder. Because (laughs) if you go and you watch them, you will be disappointed and you will waste a bunch of time. But season one, excellent. Season one is really worth watching. Well done. Compelling. A real good thriller drama kind of show. So check out season one of Bloodline. And just leave it there and get on with your life. That is my pick of the week. You know, I've watched uh, season one of Bloodline. Oh, have you? And I think I've only watched season one of Bloodline. But I can totally echo what you're saying about the location (laughs) and the being a kind of a character. It is really, Mm -hmm. it feels hot. It feels, you're always by the water and they always Mm see this blue tint on everything. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. Okay, well, good. It's not on my hit list anyway, so. (laughs) <laughs> there's yeah. there's a bit of me which wants to watch it now only to carry on to season two to find out how awful it. it is do it i mean there's a <laughs> there's there's some perverse gene inside me yeah uh, it's a just, slow drip i mean season two is bad but season three is horrible <laughs> horrible <laughs> funny Carol, what's your pick of the week well, we've uh, done a hat trick because oh. I also have um, a something to watch. Oh. Uh, mine is Succession from HBO. Graham, have you heard of it? <laughs> I I have heard of Succession, mostly from you. I mean, a lot of people have been raving about Succession for a couple mm-hmm. of years. I know we're late but, to the party, but I don't have I, I don't have a streaming service which offers it, and so I haven't watched it. Yeah. I know. I got so bored of people telling me to watch it. I went out and forked the cash to buy it. And Mm. I have to say, it's a brilliant dissection of a family going into serious trouble. So it's from the writer Jesse Armstrong of The Thick of It and Peep Show. Well, he's great. Great. right? Yep. Completely. And basically, the plot is you have this mega rich family, like a dynasty, like Trump or Murdoch kind of thing and like and they're media conglomerates and you've got the aging controlling dad at the helm desperately clinging on to the power and then you have a squabble of spoiled children navigating their roles and trying to figure out who's going to take over the family business you've got a stepmom who's very strange but wonderful (laughs) but strange and basically the whole thing is who's going to be the next king of the castle but, you know, you've got a great cast, Brian Cost, Jeremy Strong, uh, Sarah Snook's in there, and dialogue's really good. It's tight and it's so scathing, right? Like, I come from a family of very straight-talking people that are pretty scathing hmm. at times. And this is a, probably the closest rival I've seen. So, uh, <laughs> hmm. so uh, yeah. And anyway, I… Uh, the Terrio the- dynasty. 
But you know, maybe, <laughs> and, maybe maybe this is a Jesse Armstrong thing because when I think of Thick of It and Peep Show, I would say it's true. But every single character here is pretty unappealing and a bit of a monster. In the <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like no one, no one's carrying the "I'm the one to follow, just trust me" character. Yeah, I have a hard time with shows like that because they, I find they're fascinating at the outset. And I find I get drawn in by these horrible characters. But then over the course of a couple of seasons, I feel like I don't want to be spending any more time with these people. Yeah. yeah, have yeah, you, yeah. Dave, have you ever watched The Thick of It or Peep Show? Because they're comedies. But no, they're quite sort so. of dark. Yeah, you might really like them, actually. The Peep okay. Show, I can imagine yeah. Dave enjoying it. And Thick of It just because it takes swearing to a whole new level. Yeah, well, uh, I'm all about that. <laughs> anyway, there you are. That's my pick of the week, Succession, season one. That's as far as I've made it, but I am going to head to season two. So you can't stop me, Dave. Mm, all right. And that's from HBO. Terrific. Well, that just about wraps up the show for this week, Dave. I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What is the best way for folks to do that? You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Bittner, B-I-T-T-N-E-R. And everything else is over on thecyberwire.com. Super duper. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter will last have a G. And we also have a Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smash Insecurity in your favorite podcast apps, such as Overcast, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And massive shout out to this episode's sponsors, Collide and NetFoundry, and to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all. This show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalog of more than 270 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 I'm ready ho. Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks, Dave. I know you are oh, a busy chap. Of course. <laughs>